This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Ross Campbell coming in internationally from Singapore. He's gone from burning fossil fuels to burning calories, Fit <laughs> Summit. Ross Campbell, welcome to Halo Talks. Absolute pleasure, Pete. Thank you very much. Been a fan for a long time, so it's an absolute pleasure to be uh, on here with you. Yeah, when we first connected, I felt like I was, uh, you know, talking to my twin brother. Uh, it's like the integrity square of the East, if you will, um, in Asia. So uh, I'm glad that we were able to connect. And I feel like we're uh, we're on parallel paths to do some great things and help a lot of entrepreneurs and owners and, and companies get capital and, you know, best practices. Um, so maybe just as a, a background, you know, talk about the fact that, you know, you've been a fitness enthusiast for a long time personally, and also, um, you know, being in oil and gas and actually pulling off some really big events with, uh, you know, multinational companies and how that's kind of helped you, you know, think about fitness and the community, you know, in maybe a more professional way of scaling it than somebody that kind of starts up a cottage, you know, uh, association, if you will. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Pete. We started in oil and gas investment conferences. Uh, CEO level events, bankers, brokers, investors, analysts, Wall Street, uh, London Stock Exchange, you name it, whether it was a small cap, a mid cap, a large cap, a national oil and gas company, they were all in the room and they were talking business. They were talking economics, strategy, capital, OPEX, growth, uh, M&E. Wherever the business and money and capital flew in the sector for oil and gas, that's where we focused our attention. And when we eventually sold our interest in the company, uh, we looked at the fitness market. And as again, coming back to your point, I'm a huge fitness fanatic. I've been a gym bunny since I'm 15 years old and trying to keep fit and healthy has been a cornerstone of my life. And when I moved into the new fitness and wellness world, I quickly realized here in Asia, we don't have a business community. You know, it's a very fragmented marketplace. There's not really owners and investors talking to each other about moving the industry forward. And that was the niche that we jumped into. Gotcha. So, you know, when, when you started your, your first events, was this, um, you know, effectively trying to do, you know, annual in-person conferences? You know, it, it appears, at least from the relatively short period of time that Dave Gallon and I know you, you know, you guys are very tech savvy and, um, you know, understand how to scale businesses. Were you just more of a reaction to, you know, a worldwide pandemic or you kind of were already on this path towards, you know, leveraging technology and, and, you know, video conferencing. Community. We, we start off as a community business. I mean, that's our whole ethos. That's our, our core. And we've built the business on top of that. Initially it was, live in-person events, uh, you know, very good margins as a business, great to capture and honestly, not that competitive a marketplace in Asia. Uh, right. But we built thought leadership around that. We built research and we built insights from CEOs and, and shared those globally. So we were building out the community virtually and, uh, and delivering on an on-site basis. And COVID, you know, fortuitously, unluckily, had to blow apart our online, sorry, blew up our online business and obviously blew apart our in-person business. But um, look, it's been a great transition. We always plan to be tech heavy. We always plan to be digitally savvy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we were accelerated into it much, much faster than we were looking for. And 
much faster than we were prepared for. But look, the, the team really dug deep and they had a great job. They stuck into the challenge. And like any fitness operator, any wellness operator, we had to make the, the best of a bad situation. And, and we've done that. And so the community has grown, our reputation's grown. Don't get me wrong, our cash flow hasn't grown and our revenue hasn't grown. But you know what? That will come in time. And uh, we've got a responsibility to, to build this community and serve it. And that's exactly what we're doing. You know, the one thing I found that was interesting when I started in the uh, in the industry was the openness of operators to share information, you know, whether it's their revenue, whether it's their EBITDA, whether it's, you know, their operations manual, uh, whether it's valuation multiples. You know, in some industries, it's very tight knit and there's a lot of, you know, terms undisclosed. Do you think that, you know, the openness, um, you know, allows you and, and us to be able to more easily transport best practices and information to get people either successful in the industry or to get investors to, to, to know what happened versus some of the other, you know, whether it's oil and gas or maybe certain things that are more secretive. Yeah. Great, great question. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I look at fitness from an emerging market point of view or certainly an immature market. We're here in Asia and fitness, you know, let's be honest, it's only been around for five, 10, maybe 20 years in some countries. If I looked at Australia, yes, Australia is the most mature marketplace here, same as Japan, but the rest of Asia and even Middle East and Africa, they're very immature markets. There's very little data point. There's very few industry associations. There's very few track records on IPOs, on M&As, on stock, on you know, anything to do with secondary stock listings. So, you know, I wish, Pete, that you were over here in Asia and helping to in a way, educate some of the investors of the opportunities that are out in the sector. I mean, the halo sectors, I, mean, I don't have to preach to the converted. It is such an amazing investment opportunity. However, it doesn't get the airtime here in Asia and other um, more immature markets. That's coming. That's the opportunity. And that's what mm -hmm. everyone's gearing up for. So, look, we love the sector, but I do think we are playing catch-ups and services out there at an investable level. Got it. Well, one, I'll take that as an open invitation to either move or, or uh, visit uh, Singapore and stay Done. on your couch. Um, <laughs> so, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, we use this term all the time, this phrase that I learned like 25 years ago, you know, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And I feel like the companies that you're talking about in these emerging markets, they don't need to make a lot of the mistakes that have already been made in the industry. And they're pretty, evident what they are you know part of obviously you, you joined us for halo academy some of the sessions that you do on, on you know fit summit do you feel like the new entrepreneurs and the operators understand that that education actually leads to you know business success or at least leads to not failure because you know i've seen so many companies you know, go zero down and first month free or, you know, drop their prices when there's no room left in the club where you should be increasing your prices. Um, you know, not understanding what the pay scale should be for a, a group exercise instructor. So they end up having their labor costs too high. So, you know, do, do you feel like we've kind of turned the corner that people are willing to allocate the time towards education or do you still think that's somewhat of an uphill battle? Yeah, well, first of all, on your Halo Academy, thank you. That was an incredible success. I mean, look, over those few days and weeks, I learned, again, unprecedented amounts because I took myself out of my comfort zone and put myself in a place where 
I'm educating myself at a business level. Now, again, we look at the market slightly differently here. We look at the market in terms of what is business education. And, you know, business education, the fitness market has been traditionally for the, the personal trainers and for the head trainers. And they're looking at theory and they're looking at nutrition and programming. And that is the vast, vast majority of certifications and programmings out there at this moment. There are only a very few num a few courses and people like yourself, Pete, who are actually delivering business intelligence, business economics, business strategy courses. And this, I think, is where the gap is. And this, I think, is where the misunderstanding of some of the, the smaller executives in the marketplace here. In Asia, we don't have these products. We don't even have the advisors delivering these products. And so I think in Asia, coming back to the earlier point, we are playing catch up on the need for business education, but I would call it business intelligence. It's about understanding the economics, the dynamics, the demographics, the statistics behind the marketplace and how you can play favorably into that marketplace to win. It's not about how can you make your programming um, more effective for your member. That's only part of it. You've got to look at the, the, the numbers. You've got to look at the economics, the capital. And if you don't look at that as a business owner, that's where you lose out. And so I think there are a ton of great, incredible fitness professionals who are dealing with education, but that's fitness education. And I think the priority has to be put back on business education. Right. Yeah, look, we're, uh, we're excited. We, we just got through our third Halo Academy. So we're going to try and do these monthly. And I'd love to have you know, fit summit somehow, you know, involved or if we can co-host things, um, you know, one, it's a lot of fun. And I feel like, um, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way, but the more information you get, you know, if, if your brain's kind of, you know, like your personal Dropbox, you know, at some point I got to get rid of everything in order to refill it with new information. So I could tell them like more about sharing information so I could have room to get new information or reshare. You know, I feel like you, you and I are equally like, uh, you know, file folders, of information and let's drop them and then let's go renew it. Um, one of the points that you had made on some research I was reading about a couple of things you've said in the past is, you know, around the term, you know, if you will, of like irrational development. So we've got a growing market. Uh, we've got operators that come up with new concepts. We've got, you know, demographic studies, you know, I kind of scratch my head when I see like a, a hit studio open up across the street from another hit studio that's next to a Pilates studio that's next to an Equinox. It's like that, that you didn't do your work to figure out that, that there's a market for what you're providing. Maybe you should have gone three miles down the road, you know? So do you feel like maybe this pandemic in, in all its unfortunate set of events has maybe, you know, caused a, a rationalization and say like, look, let's, let's do things a little bit smarter here. And let's not try and, you know, compete with ourselves, you know, to the point where it's detrimental. We're actually not providing more additional value to everyone because now we're all price cutting, which leads to people not getting paid, which leads to financial stress, which leads to a, a dirty location, which leads to a lock on the door. Yeah, I think we saw maybe three years ago this, again, boom, and again, no dissimilar no across the world, Pete, this boom of passion projects getting developed and pushed out there on every single corner of the high street and main street. And while, you know, it was a great time for people to jump into fitness, I don't think they understand the business case for launching that business, especially against a competitive backdrop. I think maybe I've 
the silver lining of COVID, I think, for our fitness industry will be, sadly, the inevitable de demise of some of these passion projects that will make way for better concepts, better capitalized gyms, offering better services into a marketplace that's less competitive. And so therefore the consumer wins and the business owner wins and the investor wins. And I think that's a, a really, really good space to be. So look, consolidation will happen. And I think the amount of passion projects getting built in the next couple of years will inevitably decrease because people won't have that kind of capital now to put into such a business. And if they do, they're going to be much more wary about doing their homework, doing their competitive analysis, getting some proper concept and strategy and market positioning behind them, getting in some real strong investors to put them forward onto a loop and actually bringing out a much, much better product for the consumer. Yeah, I mean, right now what we're dealing with in the US, which I'm sure, you know, you've got some of this happening, you know, in Asia, you know, press releases that go out related to Gold's Gym, 24-Hour Fitness, New York Sports Clubs, you know, the list goes on, you know, going into bankruptcy, the consumer doesn't understand that bankruptcy is, is bankruptcy protection. It's not typically like a, a, a liquidation of assets. It's just basically a way for the company to kind of work their way through, probably get out of some bad leases, restructure their debt. Um, when I started in this industry back in 1999, um, I used to call on private equity groups to do investments. And, you know, they, they were kind of tarnished by Bally's fitness. And um, I remember one guy called me up and says, hey, I couldn't get this through committee because one of my partners said that um, the health club industry is where private equity goes to, to lose all their money. Um, you know, so thankfully, Lifetime came along. Thankfully, Planet Fitness came along. Um, you know, as you think about emerging markets, you know, how do you, how do we collectively try to make sure that only strong companies with strong entrepreneurs with good business economics get funded? So we don't get into a situation where, you know, there, there's negative press and, and we kind of manage through the supply demand. I don't know if that's a question or a comment. You probably have something to say about it, I'm sure, though. So fire away. Yeah, look, I mean, coming from Asia, you know, three of the biggest portfolio players here are three of the most successful companies, Pure Group, Evolution Wellness, Fitness and Lifestyle Group, are all private equity backed and owned. And so there's definitely money in Asia for the best in class to secure some pretty high-end funding. Of course, you've also got Will's Fitness in China. You've got a backing from El Cataton. So the big boxes and big chains do seem to get some really good, strong, long-term partnerships. I think when it comes to the investment community, what's really interesting, and again, you've spoken about this a number of times, Pete, is, again, I think given the choices of verticals now that investors can come into, and bricks and mortar is only one of those, it'll be really interesting to see how much of the private equity attention starts getting divested to more technology-driven companies, whether it's pure play app, pure play software, whether it's at-home connected fitness, um, whether it's content providers, whatever that is, I think you're going to start to have a much more savvy investor base that are now have a much larger choice to make 
What's also quite interesting is we are starting to see some better banking analysis and also some better institutional analysis done on the sector. And again, that will play quite heavily on the fact that where does money go in the future? So look, it's an incredible time. I mean, investors have choice. Uh, investors have the power. Um, what will be interesting to see in the next few months is what deals get done in the bricks and mortar space and by what type of investor and under what type of circumstance is it going to be a distressed um, investment against some you know bad bad bonds, bad debt, or is it a real strategic equity play? Yeah, no, I think it's um, look at, in these times or when you could lock in long-term leases, probably not right now, but probably within the next three to six months, there are going to be landlords that are trying to keep their, with their strip centers or their malls or their, you know, standalone buildings uh, occupied. And they're going to start cutting deals. And those are going to be 10 year leases with, you know, a 10 year extension. And those become real assets of a bricks and mortar business. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you. I think it, it is going to be interesting because a distressed investor you know, has that lens. So it's hard for someone to be a distressed investor and also a growth equity investor at the same time. So it'd be interesting on how that plays out because the distressed groups want to cut costs and, and rationalize, whereas a, um, you know, growth equity investors can say, hey, let's put more, more boxes in the ground. So it'll be interesting to see if there are, it all comes down to people, right? So if there are, investors and professionals inside of those companies that actually have a growth plan instead of um, thinking that they're like a bond trader and saying, hey, I'm going to buy the bonds at 20 cents and I'm going to wait it out until it gets back to par. So, um, you know, in, in closing here, uh, one, you know, welcome to the halo sector. And it's great to have you look forward to a, a long-term relationship here. The fitsummit.com. Uh, the twin brother of Integrity Square, Ross, welcome, and uh, look forward to, uh, to to making waves with you guys, educating great operators, and uh, and helping make a difference. Because every every location that opens up, or every app that that we help someone or you help someone get capital into, affects the lives of people. And uh, over time, we will solve loneliness, obesity, and diabetes together. So, if I if I was with you in person, I'd do like a Wonder Twin Powers. Um, you know, hand uh, hand touch on top, and uh, we'll go from there, man. Hey, look, Pete, an absolute pleasure. I think you know, like everyone in this industry, we, we want to make people happier and healthier. That's the bottom line. And look, we're so proud and and humble to to be on the phone with you guys, working with guys like Integrity Square. We know how hard a sector this is for you guys to open up. It's it's, it's not been done before, and you guys are at the absolute forefront. Of, of making this making this whole industry more investable. So look, I tip every single hat I have at you guys for all the incredible work you do. Thank you. And again, look forward to some phenomenal collaboration. Awesome. All right, man. Best to your partners and uh, we will uh, see you soon and stay safe. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Peace out. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, 
and uh, keep listening and making everybody great. <laughs>